Have you ever had the feeling you were being watched? My name is August Cruz. A few years ago, I wrote a book called Stalker. It's a fiction about a man who becomes obsessed with a woman he's never actually met. Like most fictions, however, the story has its roots in real stalking cases. Over 25 million people have experienced stalking in their lifetime. Today, we're going to explore one of those cases. Welcome to episode 13 of My Favorite Prey. I'm your host, August Cruz. Not sure where you're listening from, but we've had some decent weather here in New York lately. Past few days haven't been as cold, which makes it perfect to get out, get some fresh air, and maybe enjoy a true crime podcast while you're taking a brisk little walk around the neighborhood, or maybe a leisurely drive somewhere. Do people still do leisurely drives? Do people still use the word leisurely? Anyway, wherever you are and whatever you're doing, I hope that you'll pull up the latest episode of My Favorite Prey or maybe listen to one you may have missed or, hell, revisit an old one. Whichever you decide, I'm just glad that you're listening and I hope you're doing well. As always, if you want to reach out with comments, questions, requests for future cases, complaints, or preferably compliments, please email me at mfpray22 at gmail.com, mfpray22 at gmail.com. Okay, let's get to it. Namaste. You probably guessed by the greeting that our episode takes us to India. For those of you who don't know, namaste isn't just a way to greet someone. It has a deeper meaning. It translates to... I greet the divine within you, which, in my opinion, is a much nicer and more beautiful way to greet someone than, yo, what's up, with the occasional unoriginal expletive thrown in for emphasis. In the Hindu religion, it is believed that God resides within all of us, and namaste is a way to recognize and celebrate that divinity that we all share. Unfortunately, some don't seem to put any value on that wonderful greeting. For some, it is simply a learned salutation tied to a belief that its deeper meaning hasn't taken root. Remember that some of the worst criminals and killers in history were able to carry out their crimes because they knew how to act within certain social situations, such as smiling politely at someone or carrying on a friendly or professional conversation. Some got away with their crimes because not only did they know how to act, but they had people in their corner that knew how to manipulate the system. Now, those are the most dangerous kinds of people, where terms such as namaste are lost, and sadly, innocent blood is the price that's paid. That's the case with Priyadarshini Matu and her stalker Santosh Singh. Priyadashini, Priya for short, was a Kashmiri pandit, not bandit, pandit, P, not B, also known as Kashmiri Brahmins, people who practice Hinduism and are native to the Kashmir Valley of India. After finishing school at the Presentation Convent School in Srinagar, Priya and her family moved to Jammu. She received her Bachelor of Commerce, which is basically an undergraduate degree in business and economics, from MAM College. 
Afterwards, she was accepted to Delhi University to study law. Priya was a lovely, polite, intelligent, and family-orientated young lady, and nobody who knew her doubted that she would earn her Bachelor of Law degree, begin a successful career, get married, and have a family of her own. Every parent's dream for their children. Unfortunately, instead of this picturesque life which she deserved, everything changed into a nightmare after a man named Santosh Singh came into her life. Santosh was a few years older than Priya. He came from a very influential family, which will come into play later on in a way that'll probably piss you off as much as it did me. He was a senior at the same school and instantly became infatuated with her. No, isn't that always the case with stalkers? Santosh made his affections known to Priya many times over, even going so far as to propose to her several times. Each and every time, though, she turned him down. Sandush, sorry, couldn't help it, Santosh wouldn't take no for an answer. He would follow her around campus, call her constantly, and write her letters. But never once did she entertain the notion of seeing him or going out with him. Can you blame her? Would you? She went to the police, basically reporting that he was pretty much harassing her. And they basically ignored her complaints. They told her that these things happened and there was nothing they could do about it since no actual crime had been committed. They further downplayed the situation by telling her, Boys are like this. It's normal. There's nothing serious about it. Ah, the old boys will be boys. Jesus. Blood boiling yet? If it's just at a simmer, wait until you hear the rest. A friend of Priya's recalled that there was one day in 1995 when Priya was going home from school and Santosh, who was following her on his bike, stopped right in front of her. He tried talking to her and at one point grabbed her and started to pull her towards him. She tried to pull her hand away, but he just gripped harder, telling her that she should go with him. Ah, uh, what a smoothie. Seeing as how she couldn't break his grasp, she started shouting, and this spooked him enough where he let go and she ran off. Priya went straight to the police station to report this latest incident. This time, they took her seriously. They logged the complaint and assigned her a bodyguard, Constable Rajinder Singh. Santosh was told by the authorities that he was to stay away from Priya. And what does this pathetic, petty asshole do to retaliate? He lodges a complaint at the school that Priya was pursuing two degrees at once. After looking into this, I found that students in India are allowed to do this, but there are specific guidelines that they must adhere to in order to get both degrees. This case takes place during the 90s, so I'm not entirely sure if the guidelines were different back then. Regardless, Priya submitted proof that she had completed her previous degree in 1991 and was only studying law, so Sandusha's complaint was baseless. <laughs> You'd think that after something like a police warning and being made to look stupid after filing a bogus complaint, that Santosh would have gotten the message to just 
well, stay the hell away and go on about his life. Oh, no, no, no. See, that would have made way too much sense. Although Constable Rajinder would sometimes see Santush around campus, he kept his distance. It wasn't long, though, before he saw an opportunity to talk to her again. On January 23rd, 1996, Priya's parents took her to school. Constable Rajinder went to meet her there, and he actually saw Santosh again. They had no interaction, however, and Priya was safe in her classroom. Once classes were done, Priya and Constable Rajinder went to her uncle's home, where she had been living while attending college. She told the bodyguard that she was going to stay home, get something to eat, do some work, and that he could come back at 5.30 that night. Later, the family cook left to walk their dog, and Priya was left home alone. Santosh saw this as the perfect opportunity to approach Priya, and maybe turn things around. See, even though he kept his distance, he wasn't too far behind where he wasn't able to see where she was going, who she was with, and in this case, whether or not she was alone. He decided to try and accomplish his goal of seeing her, having a one-on-one, -on -one, a little tete-a-tete, -tete, but not the way any normal person would think. He parked his bike not too far from the home and quickly walked to the front door. A neighbor saw him, but Santosh hadn't noticed. He was so intent on getting to Priya that he entered the house and found her alone as he hoped and expected. Santosh claimed that all he wanted to do was reach a compromise in their legal issues. And if you believe that, I've got a beautiful palace in Delhi to sell you. At 5.30 p.m., Constable Rajinder arrived and rang the doorbell. When no one answered, he waited a little, and then tried the door and saw that it was unlocked. He let himself inside and called out to Priya, but again was met with no answer. As he made his way further into the home, he eventually found her. Priya, just 25 years old, was in her room, under her bed, not moving. Surrounded instead by blood, complete in pieces of broken glass. Immediately, Rajinder called for an ambulance. Priya had been strangled with the wire, had broken ribs, and her face was beaten beyond recognition. When her parents were told about Priya's death, they named Santosh as the person who could have murdered their daughter. Rageshwari, Priya's mother, told police how Santosh had been harassing her daughter for the better part of two years. The police arrested Santosh the day after Priya's murder. Now, here's where things get really fucked up. See, even though he was brought in for questioning and the police were investigating exactly what happened, Santosh had an ace up his sleeve. His father, J.P. Singh, was the inspector general of police in the district where the murder took place. It was alleged that J.P. was influencing the course of the investigation and possibly even interfering with the way forensic evidence was being collected and reported by the Central Bureau of Investigation, or 
CBI for short. But this was only speculation and didn't come out as fact until later. The Delhi police stated that Priya had not been sexually assaulted and that the blood sample found in her underwear was planted there in an attempt to frame Santosh. As a result, in 1999, three years after Priya's murder, Santosh Singh was acquitted of the crime. Despite testimony from the neighbor who saw Santosh at the house, despite the pieces of glass at the scene of the crime and that Santosh's helmet visor was shattered, it was determined that the evidence was so poorly presented that defense was able to discount it. In other words, this piece of shit walked. In a 450-page judgment, Judge G.P. Trareja said that although he knew that Santosh is the man who committed the crime, because the CBI did such a horrible job of investigating the murder, there wasn't enough evidence to convict him. The judge also stated that he felt that there has been particular inaction by Delhi police. And he followed that with, the rule of law doesn't seem to apply to the children of those who enforce it. To top it all off, there were several instances of gross negligence by the Delhi police and the CBI that were brought to light after the judgment. Items that were collected during Priya's post-mortem were sealed and given to the CBI. But the police failed to identify who received them to conduct the forensic tests. Apparently, <clears throat> the Center for Cellular and Molecular Biology, or the CCMB, received the sealed packet, but her socks were missing. Her underwear and jeans supposedly had no stains. Later, however, the CCMB changed their story and said that there were some white stains, but they determined that it wasn't semen. Her underwear was then sent to the Central Forensic Science Laboratory in Delhi, and from the stains, they concluded that the blood group did not match Santosh's. Bullshit! <coughs> oh gosh, sorry about that. Santosh's acquittal fomented sadness and anger throughout India. This led to the creation of an organization named Justice for Priya. Because of their persistence and demand for justice, a warrant was issued for Santosh. Finally, on October 17, 2006, Santosh, who by this time had married, I don't know who this woman is, but I guess there's no accounting for taste, and he became a lawyer, he was found guilty of murder and rape. It was determined that Santosh had beaten Priya in her uncle's home, raped her, bashed her on the head and face several times with his motorcycle helmet, hitting her so hard that it shattered his visor, and in a final sick act of depravity, strangled her with a wire. He left the house once he was sure she was dead and that all her hopes and dreams went with her. Shortly thereafter, Constable Rajinder discovered the body and, well, you know the rest. The court gave Santosh the death penalty, also stating that Santosh had been given many chances to reform and leave Priya alone when she had complained about his harassment. Unfortunately, he didn't stop until Priya was dead. 
ending the two-year obsession. The judge commented, In spite of repeated warnings by the police, he went about committing the most ghastly act. The act itself sent ripples in society and showed how insecure a citizen can get against this kind of person. Santosh appealed the death penalty to the Supreme Court of India on February 19, 2007. His lawyers questioned the validity of the DNA report, because why not, which was one of the reasons he was given the benefit of doubt in his first trial. And if that wasn't insulting enough, they also claimed that excessive media coverage probably influenced the verdict of the death penalty. Oh, poor Sandouche. In 2010, the Supreme Court reduced the death sentence to life in prison. One final note on the outcome of the case. It seems that in 2019, 23 years after Priya's murder, the Delhi High Court granted Santosh three weeks of parole so he could complete his final exams for his Master of Law degree. Apparently, Santosh had been such a good boy in prison that the court decided to give him some time off to finish his education. You gotta love the legal system, huh? When two people who share the same culture and system of beliefs have similar interests and ambitions, especially in the same field, meet, they hit it off so well that they just know right away that they should be together. There's a click or connection, for lack of a better term, and they just know. Even if you don't say it right away, there's just something there that feels right whenever you're with or even think about that person. In his own warped way, Santosh thought he had found that with Priya. He acted on that feeling because he thought he had found his one. A lot of people spend a lifetime looking and hoping to find that. Priya, however, didn't feel the same. She was perfectly content with dedicating her time to her studies, her family, and friends. She had a bright future ahead of her. Santosh wanted to start that future together. But when he saw that it wasn't going to happen, he took matters into his own hands and cut down a wonderful person, a loving daughter, a caring friend, and someone who could have made a positive difference in the world. All because his demented ideas of a relationship weren't being reciprocated. And if the police had acted sooner when she first reported Santosh instead of writing it off as boys will be boys and boys are like this, it's normal. And perhaps Priya might very well have gone on to achieve everything she had wanted to achieve and would still be with us. There were so many things that went wrong in this case, so much that could have been avoided, and it all started because Sandouche wouldn't take no for her answer. And his actions changed the course of so many lives. At the beginning of this podcast, I spoke about the meaning of Namaste. It's tragic that Santosh couldn't see the beautiful divinity within Priya, and instead only saw someone that he wanted to possess, to claim as his own. Maybe that means that he lacked the divine that we're all supposed to share. If you or anyone you know has experienced a stalker or think you have, please don't hesitate to contact Safe Horizon 
at 800-621-HOPE. That's 800-621-4673. They're available 24 hours a day, and even if they aren't in your city, they can help you get in touch with a local support center. Take care of yourselves, watch your surroundings, and I hope you'll join me again. Namaste.